0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Wanna Be Entrepreneur. Today I have uh, Florian with me. Uh,
1: Florian Rose, is that how you say it? Uh, Rose, actually, just uh, Rose. Yeah, it's Rose, but just written strangely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, Florian Rose. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for accepting this invitation, Florian.
1: Of course, happy to uh, well happy to uh, you know be around and uh, talk about entrepreneur stuff. always uh, always fun uh, topic so looking forward to this. yeah, me too. yeah
0: so it's a it's a funny story how we actually met in person. I, Florian mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the host of a YouTube channel that I follow. It's called Seawolves and it basically covers stories about sailing and normally yep. racing. Uh, related, and uh, he, he did actually a daily show, and I was watching every day, you know, with my cup of coffee, and uh, and then we were chatting in the in the pre in one of your uh, premieres, and uh, I said, okay, I'm going to Amsterdam, and he said, okay, if you want to sail with us, we are going to sail on Saturday. I was like, okay, uh-huh. don't tell me twice, I'm I'm going to sail with you. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and
1: then we met in your boat. Yeah, it was a nice day, right? We, we had pretty good weather. It was a nice uh, was a nice little sail. It was, uh, was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. I just uh, uh, regret not bringing my, my trunks for, for swimming, my swimming suit.
1: Oh, you didn't bring? You didn't swim? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Ah, okay. Yeah, I oh, no, Yeah, when you sail, you have to always uh, bring the swimming trunks. That's a yeah. good lesson. Yeah, let's <laughs> kick things off with my
0: typical question to start, which is to ask you florian rose to introduce yourself speak uh-huh. uh, a little bit about who is florian for me and for
1: the listeners
0: yeah and uh, yeah go for it
1: so um yeah florian rose and um yeah it's always a, a very tough question for me to mm-hmm. uh, answer you know especially at parties when people always inevitably ask you like so florian you know w- what do you do <laughs> yes and um yeah I like, I'm obviously I'm an entrepreneur been so uh, for the last almost uh, 20 years now I guess 18 years or so started when I was 20 and uh, I'm I'm just not the, the the more typical entrepreneur let's say where you know you just have kind of your own your one business near like a bakery or something and you just kind of mm-hmm. work in that business um, I've always from the from the start kind of approached entrepreneurism as uh, You know, each business is kind of a project. And as soon as I start building the project, I start to uh, wheel myself out of the project so that once it's all kind of up and running, uh, I personally have not so much to do with it. Or maybe there's like, you know, a real fun part that I really like about it or whatever. And that's the part that I'll be doing. And the Mm. rest is just with people who are like, you know, better at that uh, uh, than me. Uh, And especially allowing me to kind of, Know, reclaim most of my time so that I can go to very different projects so I, I always like to call myself like a serial entrepreneur mm-hmm. uh, but my goal in general has been like to, to air, if I can do one cool new business every year let's say wow. uh, then I'm pretty happy right so uh, so that's what I've been doing and uh, yeah done lots of projects that failed of course. Uh, which is, you know, inevitable if you're, if you're trying a lot of things, but also a fair number that, uh, that work. And, uh, yeah, so as you already mentioned in, in our little pre uh, conversation, you know, once you start really Googling me, you find like, oh, there's another thing and there's another thing. And they, they, many of them have very little to do, uh, with each other. You know, you, you got through me to this kind of sailing business with Seawolves that I kind of just started at the beginning of the Corona, uh, crisis and, you know, turned into this huge kind of a daily show uh, thing, which you obviously were also watching, and then that's kind of like my latest uh, business thing, right? And I'm having lots of fun uh, with that. Uh, but there are also, you know, very different things that have nothing to do uh, w- with sailing. So, yeah, it's very hard to kind of, you know, pinpoint yeah. me in a way of saying, you know, that's what I'm all about, that's my topic, or, or anything like that. I've, I've really done... Lots of different things, so you know i'm I'm very much into racing sailing right now, I've done some great races, you know, reporting on a lot of like technology within racing. Um, but I also have you know my own brand of saxophones, for example. So that's something completely different, right? Like wow. design my own instrument. Um, I wrote several books on on learning on on education, uh, both in the more general sphere uh and also more in like music education uh sphere but also done like a ton of consulting work and yeah it's just there there really isn't any any specific area where i would say like that's really my thing except for learning so that's really the core of all my businesses that i'm just uh very experienced at Digging into new topics, that was also my job when I was, you know, working as a consultant, kind of outside of my business, something that I really enjoy is going into other different businesses and kind of, you know, helping them solve problems or improving things. Um, and that that's usually all about making the business better at learning, at, you know, at evolving and creating new systems yeah. that they don't already have. These interviews should be a little bit more different,
0: should be more like a conversation where I also, you know... Have questions about being an entrepreneur as mm-hmm. a starter entrepreneur, and we can speak about it and bring your projects to the table when they when they make sense. Yeah, and um, yeah, but you said that you started in your uh, in your twenties. So did you did you study? What was your background?
1: Uh, well, my my father is an entrepreneur, so I kind mm-hmm. of grew up in the in the entrepreneurial uh, area. Let's let's say, and I saw him also. You know as a kid really building you know his business which which went on to be you know fairly successful so um that i guess was very much the 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 school of uh hard knocks just you know living around that Mm -hmm. uh education wise i first went to art school actually but it was more out of a like i don't know what i want to do in my life type of uh a thing i didn't really have any particular um you know like high passion for that but out of everything design at least was very interesting and I, and I do have to say that uh, uh, my study turned out to be exceptionally valuable so I would mm-hmm. say that uh, out of all the studies that I could have chosen I'm very happy that I chose this because uh, once was a time uh, you know uh, right around the time when I had to kind of pick my uh, my major when email had just been invented and okay. websites websites were just a new thing so you know, businesses were kind of advertising in the yellow pages and in the papers, you know, like with you know, standard paper advertising was, you know, still huge, mm-hmm. but email had kind of just been invented. I think that, uh, uh, you know, there, there weren't any like messengers or anything like that, that all didn't quite exist yet. And, uh, there, and that also was coupled with a lot of developments like photography and film started to go digital but really in the most preliminary, preliminary stages, right? So there were like the first digital cameras, let's say, but they had like giant floppies in them and this technology was nowhere near what we know now. Uh, But there was this idea of, Things are going to go digital, but nobody knew what that was going to look like, yeah, right? Yeah. And businesses were really looking around, like, "Oh, yeah, we need to have this thing called a website," and no one really knew, you know, yet how exactly to do this or how to, you know, have a com- have a commercial success with your website or how to even really use this technology of the internet. And so I was kind of browsing around, you know, for like a cool major in that era, and mm-hmm. here was this study in the in the Dutch art school uh, where. Basically, the idea was we're going to create, we're going to teach you about all the different media. So, you're going to learn like the basics of like photography, like, you know, good photography, filmography. Yeah. You're going to learn design, sculpting, painting, uh, you know, everything basically, all of like all of the different design disciplinaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not going to go very deep into those disciplines, but we're just going to give you like the first overview. You no, know, Yeah, we're going to give you like the first 50, 60 percent. That's like really easy to learn. You know, it takes some time, but, you know, we're going to really dig you into all these different topics for several years. And then by the end, you'll be this unique multidisciplinarian, let's say, and our, our functions was to be the art directors of this new digital world, right? The people that right. would oversee the photographers and the filmographers and all these different people and then would bring that all together in the in a website.
0: I guess you also had a lot of friends in that area, but you probably also had a lot of friends that went with more, let's say, conservative studies. Yeah, and yeah, And they, sure. they started having jobs, right? So they, they started to they get out of college, they started having their own job. And yeah. you are in this area, you know, without actually knowing what you should do and, and you start be, becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah. How How did that compare? You know, seeing your friends immediately making money, you know, being able maybe to go travel and partying and so on and maybe you were okay i'm still maybe not in that phase trying to find a job did that discourage you or you already Uh, knew that the first years were
1: that's a very good question that's a very good question uh i like there's this kind of strange thing that when you're an entrepreneur especially if you're a little bit successful uh you know people sort of attribute that to a choice so you you made a choice somewhere and you know you had you probably had some struggles or whatever but then you know you kind of made it whatever whatever that means and now you're like happy and you know you're doing what you want and all that stuff personally i look at it quite different like i uh, like i said so uh, as part of my study i had to do an internship ended up doing that very very lovely company lovely people and so you know i worked there for i think like eight months or something Mm -hmm. on and off first as an internship and because they really liked what i did they also kind of hired me for some extra days you know next to my studied where i was kind of you know making some extra money uh there and so uh, when i graduated literally uh the the boss of that company said hey flo uh, you know love, love it if you uh, join the team and uh, you already have your and i literally had my like re- really nice uh, office for like a 20 year old uh, you know like with my own window i had my own office had a yeah. secretary the whole thing and I basically just put the package in front of me and said, Hey, look, uh, you know, you're going to make this much. Uh, you can pick out your uh, lease car and, uh, you know, wow. like uh, your, your bed is made. Come work here and everything will be cool. And, uh, but, uh, but actually, those eight months in the office environment were enough for me. Like, <laughs> I, I really uh, am not built for that environment, you know, like uh, just the idea of, Going to this same, you know, dreary kind of office space, you know, people make an effort right. to, you know, make it look good. And especially these days, people are really, like, trying to turn the office space and, like, do everything Definitely. to make it look like a nice playground. But to me, it always felt like, uh, you know, if you go to the zoo, you know, uh, yeah. and you have you have a really good zoo, so they make a really big pen for the giraffes with, like, high trees mm-hmm. in it and what, And they really try, you know, to create a beautiful tiger, you uh, environment, you know, big with glass and it's, it, it, the whole message is that look how natural we made the living environment, right? You know, you still feel like a prisoner right. who is just there with your time and for me, it was always like I don't want to be kept in the zoo. I just want to be free and do my thing, right? And w- which one was your uh, first business then? Well, I tried several different things. So I really liked entrepreneurship and, uh, and design, so the first thing I did, of course, I had already like some little design clients who would like, you know, ask me to design a logo for them or, you know, this type of sort of offhand right. little design jobs, which would, you know, trickle in with like a little money, a hundred bucks here, two hundred bucks there. A little bit there. of freelancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a little bit of freelancing aside. So that, that that wasn't really enough to really like live on, let's say, in the beginning, but it was, you know, it kind of. Kept me, uh, kept me by for a while. Did you like that?
0: Did you like to do? Production? Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I really enjoy. Uh, I really enjoy design. Uh, though, again, mm. you know, when you're designing for other people, you're running a little bit into that situation always, where you make several beautiful designs that you really love, and uh, and then they always pick the one that you like the least, uh, <laughs> yeah. and they want you to change it in some way where you personally think maybe that will be an awful change, but you know they're paying for it, so you have to go there. Yeah. But it was, but it was a good education actually in a in a way I learned a lot from that and I do love to work with people I love to work with customers and you know figure out ideas and, and that, so that was a very enjoyable uh, uh, process uh, you know trying to get into different things like I literally didn't have any idea what I was I didn't have any particular path for like oh this is going to be my business or whatever right. I just figured I, I understand I think what a business is. But I really understand from seeing my dad do that, like you have to find a problem to, and mm-hmm. then solve it for other, and then, you know, you sell the solution to a problem. That's, it, in essence, is what it is, right? Like people yeah. don't want to take the time themselves, but you find the problem and at some point you say, hey, if I take the time, I can create a beautiful, structured solution, uh, For you know, first maybe for myself to solve this problem, but then I have this solution actually so well packaged that I can go to all these other people who are having the same problem, and yeah. then you know that's a business, right? And so right. Uh, I oh I just was kind of watching the world with this idea, like I will I will find some problem somewhere, and then I'll I'll go to work fixing it, right? And tried several different things, but uh, as you probably also will find, there there's a big element of you know luck and destiny and stuff to business, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, you have to kind of hit the market just right when you're creating a new business. And oftentimes, even if you have like a really lovely product, maybe you're like a little too early and the technology is not quite there. The demand is not quite there. Or sometimes you're like just too late and you're like, oh, wow, this is a great idea. And then it turns out there's another competitor already like three steps ahead of you. And it just isn't really worth it anymore because you're not going to be able to really get that return on investment back or, you, you know, have to go for a really long uh, haul and that's maybe not what you want. So besides just having the, the right idea, the timing has to be, you know, not just right, but, you know, you, ha- you have kind of a certain window where it really can work, right? Right. Yeah. And so it took like a year and a half, I guess, for for the, that first window for me to show up. And that was with the with the start of YouTube. So when YouTube kind of first arrived, um, I was living in Argentina, I was uh, joining my brother who was doing his internship in Buenos Aires, and I said, hey, come over, you know, it'll be fun, uh, we'll, we'll live together for a little while. So I was basically there for two months, and in uh, one day I'm like walking on uh, San Telmo, that's this really big, uh, like a kind of antiques market, I guess, uh, in Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. I think it's maybe even the biggest, uh, like, open air antiques market in the world or something. And I saw like a saxophone there. And uh, I didn't have any, uh, you know, idea of like, I want to play the saxophone or anything, but I just, I had some time there. You know, I was kind of a little bit on vacation after, you know, working really hard and kind of scrounging out a living, you know, with a little design here, a little consulting there. So, you know, I I saved up a little money, like kind of enough to go to South America, just chill, hang out with my brother, have sort of like a semi-vacation time while he was still doing a little bit of work there together. And so I'm there, I'm just looking around, enjoying having a good time, and I see a saxophone there. And uh, I'm like, well, you know, maybe it'll be fun, it'll it'll be a cool thing to do here with all the, you know, the music around there. I'll just see if I can teach myself a little bit playing the sax, right? I don't really speak, you know, very good Spanish or anything. So I didn't really have a teacher, and so I turned to YouTube, right? Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because it was just kind of like, oh, well, maybe there's somebody there. And so there literally was nobody on YouTube doing that, well, so there were like a few guys would made like a few videos of like how to put a saxophone together But it just really wasn't very good, right? I, I could just see like these people are just kind of making these videos for a little fun But they didn't really have this idea of like hey if I like really seriously Make like the best online course like ever uh, In this new medium YouTube that no one ever done yeah. uh, I bet there are gonna be more people around who are gonna like go to YouTube and like figure out how to play, you know Whatever instrument it is and so for me that happened to be the saxophone and I figured well I can't really find online any good solutions to teach myself so uh, I'm just going to make a little blog and I'm gonna like write about every step that I go through myself teaching this to myself yeah, and uh, Well, I think it was maybe like four months later or something that that was already like the biggest uh, you know saxophone website like for beginners Basically, four months later, like really, kind of exploded. Yeah, and without uh, without any any
0: marketing or whatsoever. Yeah, I I, I, I didn't need any marketing.
1: No, I didn't. I I think I experimented with like Google Ads, and this was all new, right? So Google Ads had just been invented. Uh, So I dove into everything. Like I make this made this vlog. I experimented with like you, but I was mostly marketing through YouTube. So you know, basically the model that you see right now. I was one of the first to really adopt that with like having a set of free videos basically that are like really good, um, that are kind of supporting people to go to your thing and that they then, you know, buy for like a few, like 10, 10, 20 bucks. They just, you know, buy like a full uh, course with a book and several extra videos. So I just made this, uh, so I started just with this vlog, just writing. And then once I had enough content to sort of make the first volume, like the first uh, five, six months or whatever of like what you should learn when you're teaching yourself the saxophone, I kind of compiled all of the best stuff into a book, uh, mm, okay. made some videos, and that was my first product, right? And you're selling and, it. You're yeah, selling I was it, I was yeah. just selling like like a PDF, you know, online. Through, I yeah. think through PayPal. I think PayPal was literally the only way to sell something online back then. Still, yeah. if you weren't like a big uh, company, so I think I started with PayPal, and uh, and that just worked, man. And then and then yeah. uh, you know I was like selling, you know to 15 books a day and uh wow. and boom you know at like 10 20 bucks a, a book boom yeah. you have a you, boom you have a business
0: right how does that feel how does that feel that suddenly it grows did it did it feel that you deserve it did, did you feel like well I, yeah yeah I, yeah, yeah. How no, come I this mean, happen?
1: yeah yeah no I definitely felt I deserved it I worked really hard on it it, it is however uh, and that's something that now that's a little bit less. But it was a very interesting period for me, uh, as far as the politics of the music world go, because you have to imagine that, uh, you know, like now we think of like the online world for education. Like, yeah, duh, of course, right? Of course, online education. Of course, it makes so much sense that you can be anywhere in the world. You can be on the North Pole and you can lessons. But back then, of course, you had only physical teachers who were like putting their ads in the local paper or whatever, right? Saxophone teachers, of course, and so yeah, yeah. in a way, me putting uh, you know really good educational content online, some of it for free, some real key components on uh, you know for free there. Yeah. So I got lots of great like love from the people who were really enjoying it and teaching themselves. Yeah. But at the same time, I also got like a bucket of hate, and I mean, really, you know, real real venom. I can from, from from all these, you know, really traditional saxophone teachers, many of them, you know, who were very kind of traditional assholes, you know, who weren't maybe very good, but they had, like, the diploma to do it. And, you know, who do you go to? Yeah, you have to go to, like, a conservatory taught, uh, you know, saxophone uh, a god or whatever and pay them lots of money, like 40, 50 euros an hour, uh, you know, for, like, a lesson or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and here's this guy who, who's not even went to conservatory, who, who, who like, basically... Is only playing the instrument himself for like a few yeah. months. Who dares to write a book uh, and presume that he can just sell this? Yeah. So, uh, so they know, try th-
0: to sabotage you.
1: Somehow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, like the, the the amount of like active sabotage by uh, by teachers, but but really, uh, you know, writing to forum owners, pleading that they should remove all my posts. Uh, right. You know, hate hate commenting on videos of mine like, oh, yeah, you're really teaching people bad habits, all that. Yeah. Which, which is, you know, like back then, I was only playing for six months. So there's still this little voice in the back of your mind. It's like, well, maybe, they, maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe I am doing right. it wrong. Yeah. Now I, I'm playing already for 10 years. I know that they were just balls out lying, yeah. just protecting their own shit, right? But, uh, But back then, it's hard, you know, it's hard to really swim upstream and stick with it. And then I wrote another book for more intermediate players as I become more intermediate myself. And then I went, you know, as I became more, actually or became a saxophone pro also here, and I had a like a weekly session here in my city for yeah, like young yeah. talent, and I really, you know, built that business out into really nice, you know, full on business with lots of different aspects to yeah. that. And uh, and kept writing as I as I evolved, I just, you know, whenever I kind of finished the next chapter in my own life and learning, yeah. I would, Translate it back into a book and say, hey, you know, we here again, and kind of take all those people that had sort of grown up on the saxophone with me uh, yeah. onto the onto the next thing. So it's a very natural business uh flow also in that sense. Yeah. But
0: walk me walk me through the, the mindset there, right? So you are quite new in this area, right? So for six months you learned it and suddenly you're selling it and you actually get traffic. So you get people buying it. So you get yeah. some kind of validation, but then you have the pros trying to bring you down and you still manage to overcome that and and write another book. Tell me what went through your mind, like what
1: what kept you motivated? Well, the money, I guess, you know, like yeah. see, see, seeing the fact that I was seeing like a few like more younger, more like cool teachers saying, hey, man, I think it's really cool what you're doing. Great right. uh, method, or trying to work with me, or whatever you know. Like it wasn't all hate, uh, and and I have to say, that was also mostly in the Dutch market. People don't really know this about Holland, but Holland is a very uh, as, as far as entrepreneurship. People always think like, oh yeah, Dutch are really free spirits and they're really entrepreneurs and everything. That is a very small part of right. the Dutch, let's say. But yeah. the other, you know, the corona crisis has proved that again very much. But the other, like 95% of the Dutch, let's say, are incredibly, because we're a very small country, so yeah. they're very protective of their markets, right? And so there's a lot of legislation and laws and everything. And we're, we're in that sense, that the political protections around everything in Holland are huge. It's funny because it's a country where
0: you're uh, at first sight, you thought, you know, there's a. Legalized drugs and prostitution and so on, you think they are very open minded. and But yeah. it's true. Then, when you actually start to meet more and, and maybe travel more uh, inside the Netherlands, you can kind of understand there are also a lot of conservative people, right? And uh, especially in business. So, that's that's uh, interesting that you validate that, that you verify that. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah but yeah.
0: Um, you also told me that you try always to then step out of the business, right? So, you try yeah. to f- find a way to automate it and then step out and you know, pursue
1: the next thing. Tell me yeah. how that
0: did that happen with the with this hello
1: saxophone. Uh, well, business. that's that basically like nowadays that's more or less a hundred percent virtual business, right? So it's like more or less fully uh, automated because I have all the methods. You know, I have a website; people can write in. You know, there are like a bunch of like good mailing systems. You know, like a, different mail streets and just a good right. a system behind that. Kind of figures out if somebody's an actual lead or not. And and so that's just uh, over the years has been, you know, uh, taken over by technology, let's say, but, but really from the start. uh, And it's a, you know, a very, very basic, but very effective uh, online, fully digital uh, business where, where it basically takes me maybe, you know, an hour a week or so just to answer, you know, fan mail, Uh, or the, the occasional complaint when somebody you know something goes wrong or somebody misses yeah. an email in their spam or whatever and they get really angry. Like, I didn't get my stuff yeah. and uh, that 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 you know happens from time to time, but yeah that that's pretty much it, and for the rest, it just kind of really takes care uh of itself right so now it's more in maintenance mode right yeah, it's like it's yeah. really a maintenance and and actually now in the corona crisis, I was growing a little bit again because I think you you know for the the online uh, business people listening yeah, to this, uh, yeah. I think many of us, uh, especially in the beginning of the first uh, lockdown, I saw like a giant spike of people who, I guess, all had been thinking for years, like, oh, maybe I want to play trumpet or guitar or you know saxophone or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. then, uh, and then the lockdown came and they they were locked in their houses. Well, what do you do when yeah. you know that you're going to be at home for a month with nothing? Well, that that's like the perfect time to teach yourself an instrument, right? You can't go anywhere, so where do you go? You go to a digital course. So uh you know that that first month of the corona i had a pretty good uh good, good sales bump yeah. uh uh let's say so uh so yeah that that uh, that spurs on then oh yeah maybe let's let's put a little bit more growth into uh, that optimize again so you go through cycles you know the technology changes also marketing systems changes so every once in a while somebody somewhere changes something And the business suddenly does better or worse, or worse. Yeah. And then you have to (laughs) kind of get into action and figure out who changed what and uh, and get back to uh, having everything work again. But it's basically maintenance mode now.
0: And the 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 thing is that a lot of companies, right? Normally, or a lot of entrepreneurs, they find a business and they see that this business is working, like you did, and they try Mm. to make a full company out out of it, right? So. I would I would imagine other entrepreneurs maybe trying to expand to other instruments or or yeah. bringing more uh, more courses more advanced courses more you know and uh, I guess that's what distinguishes you from normal entrepreneurs that's what distinguishes distinguishes a serial entrepreneur from a, a like a normal entrepreneur. Yeah,
1: because you didn't want to do this, right? You you said, okay, I have something. No, I did here. It also. I, I did that also. So I also actually copied my method to several other different instruments. Ah, okay. I just I just used the, because I don't play those instruments, so mm-hmm. I just found other people who are playing those instruments to you know and, and to to rewrite the method for that instrument, but with the same core methodology, let's say, which is very right, much right. like my teaching methodology is really quite different. So it's much more based on self experimentation and giving people a riddle to then figure it out themselves and help them. Right, I, I right. more help people figure things out themselves than give them a standard program to run let's say, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different in that sense and so that's yeah. kind of the core of my method and I did expand that to other instruments ah, actually but you, you but you right. never know that I was behind that because it's actually other people so yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No that's very interesting, very interesting um, yeah. so you, to summarize you say we have to find a problem to solve you, we have to find the right timing, then we have to develop it, then we have to automate it. We have to find a way to replicate it, let's say, without yeah. without increasing our number of uh, working time,
1: right? So you want to work less and gain more. Uh, well, yeah, I, I wouldn't say necessarily work less. I mean, I, I work long days, you know, I wake up early and I, I go go home uh, or, or sure. I sleep late at night. But that's because I really love uh, what I'm doing. And and whether it was, yeah. you know, sailing with you uh, and, and a yeah. few other guys uh, like that, for me, that's like yeah. uh, sort of always mixing pleasure with business, right?
0: Right. Yeah, it's the entrepreneur lifestyle, right? But what what I meant was that you reduce your working hours for that business, right? So as you said, now you you just send an email or respond to emails for your LO saxophone business yeah. once a week. So you reduce there and of course you increase your working time in other projects. So that's what yeah. I meant. So uh, per project, I guess the goal is once everything is set up, you try to reduce your working time, but still keep the yeah. still keep yeah. the
1: the income, so that you can then start focusing on other projects. And I would say not necessarily reduce my own time, but uh, like a, a really great mentor of mine, kind of a Dutch expression, but he said like "you uh, moet jezelf er meteen uitfietsen." So the expression is like. When you start a new business, the first thing you should do is bike yourself the hell out of there. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we Dutch people like bikes, so it's kind yeah. of a Dutch impression. But uh, but what he meant by that is like you you have to design it from the ground up uh, so that you don't uh, you know lock yourself in like the, the, the main thing. And, uh, you know, I also uh, teach sometimes at, you know, different business schools here and at the university and everything concerning business. And so one of the things that really, I think, is a very key component to uh, r- remaining free to explore other things, let's say, and to continually reinvent yourself or pursue pursuit different things, um, is that when you start your own business, Mm-hmm. It's very easy to uh, just put your shoulders on it and push harder yourself. And whenever there's a problem, just you, will, you are, you know, you're the entrepreneur. So you just push harder, spend more time and solve it. Right. Right. That's, that's kind of the natural thing to do for most entrepreneurs. And it's one of the most counterintuitive things is actually to say, no, I should not even uh, attempt to do that from the start. I should find somebody else who's better at that particular thing who really loves that particular thing and i should get them to do it and your okay. your job is not to do all those things your job is to create the entire business like all the different like i really think of businesses as organisms you know mm-hmm. so there's like there's like the heart and the lungs but you know in a business they're called like the marketing department and you know the yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the the stocks or you know your Sales. fulfillment mm-hmm. or whatever but it's, it's a body. It's like a, it's like a self-replicating cell, right? And so you have a business once you've created that organism in such a way that it keeps self-replicating. It self-sustains. And even when you walk away from it, it will self-sustain, right? Right. And when you approach, uh, and I'm not saying that it's, that it's bad to keep yourself involved in some way, right? Like many of the businesses that I do, I'm kind of the face of it. Like I'm kind of the face of sea wolves now. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, right? Uh, but uh, but pick the part that you really want to do or that you're really great at that nobody else could like do better than you and then do that part but everything you can find where somebody else would be better at that or where you could mm. get an expert to do that uh better to arrange it that way from the start but the problem
0: is that from the start you don't you don't have money to to pay these people so do you suggest to get them as a co-founder or something
1: yeah yeah that that's i think really where entrepreneurship comes in and i think that's for me, the, the unspoken thing about entrepreneurism in a way. Uh, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to just become really good and clever at value exchanges, right? And that does not necessarily have to be money. You can uh, add value in lots of different ways to uh, to people, which for them would be fine to pay you back in some way, right? And so, it, it makes the equation a little bit more complicated. And of course, if you have other businesses that work, it definitely helps you know, for someone like me. I have like various different businesses, so I have some cash that say that I can fall back on. And if I want something done, I can just hire somebody to do it for the first month, right? But still, for most of the time, I won't do that. Most of the time, I will just get people to do things for free as far as money goes, but, uh, but, but, but it, I will be offering something else. That is maybe right. more important or equally important uh, to them to to get them in, and oftentimes they will, you know, end up actually having a really nice job in that yeah. business, for example, or to be part of their own freelance business where they spend X amount of hours every week on whatever project of mine, and they make right. their money uh, uh, that way, and that's fine. So, yeah, that's can, that's. can
0: you think on Can you think on an example, like a practical example, where you did that in one of your projects?
1: Well, this, uh, the, the, the project that you met me through, SeaWolves is a, is a perfect example. Um, you know, so the, the whole reason that came to be, like I told you, you have to have a problem to solve, right? Right, yeah. And so for me, it always comes from a personal problem. So I'm, I'm wanting to watch the Globe for the non-sailors uh, on board today. Uh, that's like one of the biggest round-the-world races, but it's a solo, it's only really a full, uh, non-stop solo uh, sailing race around the world. And this race is done in some of the fastest, most advanced, you know, carbon monster uh, uh, boats uh, that there are. It's a fascinating thing to watch, and especially with new technology and being able to actually see on board what's happening. This is really for sailors. It's one of the most fascinating events, and it happens every, you know, two to four years. Yeah, so I want to see this thing, but it's a French race, right? And so the French are especially bad at doing anything english because they figure <laughs> hey we're french so the rest of the world should just learn french because you know <laughs> so they have this really great production on the french side but in english it just absolutely uh you know isn't very good Let's put it that way, right yeah it doesn't exist yeah. even yeah. It, it, it barely it barely exists like they, they yeah. translate some of their french stuff but it's like the incoherent uh non non-full like not much fun to watch yeah. Like a few, a few, with all respect, a few old geezers, you know, talking on the desk about it with no video, like just, this kind of old world yeah, thing outdated. that isn't now, right? So I see this and I'm like frustrated, like, damn it, I want to follow this race. Why is it so hard to like just make a connection with these teams and have, you know, have them send you daily video and make like a cool show about all the amazing things going on. And so I figured, well, if nobody else is doing it. You know, I, ha- I had this little YouTube channel, see, which I already designed like a nice logo for and everything. And the, the intention was just to do a nice channel for myself, like my own sailing adventures, right, with the, with the little yeah. group that I have here in Amsterdam. Wasn't intended to, to do anything beyond that. It was just for my own memories, like I'll make some nice videos. I can watch it back, you know, 30 years from now and be like, oh, that was cool that I did that. And uh, I decided on that channel, oh, I'll make one cool video, like the video that I thought the race themselves should have made. About like the latest technology in the race in English with like good video examples, you know, amazing music, and just how, what what I would have liked someone else to make so that I could watch it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and like within two three days, that had like a hundred thousand views or seven hundred like a ridiculous amount of views in like a few days, and it was like if you Googled like the Vendeglo race, it was like the first or the second video that YouTube was surfing up. Like wow, people are really enjoying this content, right?
0: Did you end up then outsourcing some of it? Because that's kind of also no 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 no, no no
1: no. I was doing. Uh, I was basically doing the whole thing myself. So that's right. that's why my uh, study that I mentioned before: photography, video. You know, yeah, like yeah,
0: it got into place. But uh, but before we we chatting about this this idea of you know you shouldn't do everything in your business. You should exchange yeah. value for work, and yeah. um, did, so and I asked you to, to give an example. But I guess then this didn't happen with the
1: Seawolves. No, not it? yet. But that's kind of the phase where we are now. So I did that for two and a half months with the Vandeglobe. Right. And then a lot of people were really, because you really become like a YouTube slave. YouTube's algorithms are all, uh, you know, if you do a daily show on YouTube, like YouTube really likes that, right? Yeah, because yeah. They, they want people to push daily content because they need more content. They need stuff to push their advertisers and stuff. So uh, YouTube really loved before, I should say, uh, maybe still loves, but uh, really loved my show, right? So they were really pushing ads hard. Yeah, I, had, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to really step in and diminish the ads because sometimes I would make a half an hour video and people would say, like, hey, flowing," I'm going to get like 20 ads uh, in one video. Like every yeah. two minutes I get an ad and I had to like go into the ad thing and say, like, no, no more than two ads on a video because YouTube right. was like adding that stuff to, to death, just saying, hey, we can make some money here. Uh, so you run into this type of uh, problem to say. But then, of course, after I got my other businesses, lockdown is kind of open now. I don't want to be, you know, making, a, making a, a show every day where I have to do everything. So I switched it to like a weekly, bi-weekly show. And now basically there's no races really going on right now. It's sort of like if there's something interesting, I will make an interesting post. And so I just right. said, okay, I'll, I'll make high quality interviews, high quality content. But I'll make it when I have it. And you know whether you like it or not, that's how it is. I'm not going to do a daily show anymore. And so then
0: so, I... so this is the, the, the spot where you, when you try
1: to automate it and you try to bring other people exactly, to do it? Exactly, exactly. Mm, yeah, that's what I'm working okay. on right now. That's what, So that's what I'm kind of exploring now with, with having the connections within the racing teams and everything. And so now it's summer, everybody's enjoying their freedom again, but come, uh, come the more darker times, most likely another lockdown, of course, uh, if, if things keep going like this for next winter. And right. so, hopefully, then I'll be ready to have not just myself, but several other people uh, ready to post on, you know, technology and you know, do different gotcha. things yeah. and have it kind yeah. of be a channel with multiple people. That will again be a nice self-sustaining thing and a self-sustaining uh, uh, brand that will that will solve the same problem, but it won't just be yeah. me doing everything basically
0: yeah yeah it uh, makes makes all sense one one thing that for sure that i've learned from this interview is that you need to hit the the market at the right time also and and you can clearly see that you are getting some traction because you didn't need any any advertisement and you got a lot of viewers uh do, if I asked you to share about a project that just didn't work at all, th- does something come uh, comes to oh, yeah, mind? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There, there's one really famous one in my uh, uh, repertoire. I can uh, I can send you the link to the promo video that I made for that, which I'm still epically proud of. Yeah. But, uh, but as always, this, this is one of the projects that I put like the most money in of my own money when I was like, wow, I really want this to work. And of course, it's <laughs> failed miserably, but uh, uh, th- there was this uh, time a few years back when uh, virtual reality was kind of sort of hip for a moment, everybody yeah, was like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. VR is going to be it. And of course, it didn't turn out to be that way, but uh, but it sort of, you know, had this kind of hip phase and um, there was like the, the Oculus Rift and all this stuff was kind of just right. kind on of the market and all these Kickstarter products. And so uh, for some reason I figured like, hey, you know what would be, I was thinking like I want to do a new project, right? Everything was going like really well in my life. And I was like, ah, I want to do something new, something cool. So I more approached it from what would I like to do? Like what kind of team would I like to lead for like a really cool, more bigger project? Yeah. And I figured out I'm going to make the the, the first uh, 360 movement uh, chair, you know, so you can really simulate like gravity and stuff. And when you play like a flight simulator or yeah, a car yeah. simulator, It'll like actually put the G forces on you and everything. So, I made this really cool design and uh, it, it was called Space Pilot. We, we named it Space Pilot. Okay. And so, the Space Pilot VR simulator. And uh, we had this whole marketing campaign called Space For Us All. This was also when Richard Branson had just announced his, uh, you know, what kind of came to fruition, you know, the last week when he first went into space. And so, we figured, well, a lot of people cannot afford a ticket on, uh, on Richard Branson's uh, ride. Yeah. but they can afford a ride on the virtual simulator. So they can, uh, they can simulate going to space, and with the virtual reality goggles and uh, the G GeForce simulator, it'll be, like, super real. And so uh, I had this really funny... There were a few, like, guys who were, like, experimenting with this in the, you know, in the kind of the IT uh, tech world, but all of those devices looked like... Uh, I, I saw one, I think, on Shark Tank, or one of those British mm-hmm. shows, right? And one of the, the female sharks said, if my husband would show up with this thing at home, I would immediately divorce him, right? And it it really made me laugh. And I was like, yeah, it's true, because all these things look so geeky and not cool and like full of wires and not well designed. So I figured I'm gonna make this thing, like this simulator, but I'm gonna design it like a Ferrari. It's gonna look so cool that every girl's gonna go, I wanna go on there, right? Because then then it'll be like, yeah, sure, why not? It's gonna be a cool product. So the problem I was solving, like no guy can come home with this but I'm going to solve the problem so that when you come home with this, your girl's like, oh, that looks cool. I want to take a ride on that one, right? Yeah. And you can actually, uh, so I figured that would be the, the main solution to the problem. So I actually got, uh, you know, Guerrilla Games. And so they have their office in Amsterdam. And so through a friend, I got in touch with that team. And I actually got the whole, uh, you know, those guys all ready to, like, dive in and actually help us design, design the software and the hardware. Got everybody together, Right. And then we started to really do some marketing research because this thing had to, you know, cost at least like ten thousand bucks or whatever, and you had to yeah. like create a whole room in your house to this uh, device basically, but looked super cool. Uh, and uh, and pretty soon we found out that people weren't really willing to dedicate a whole room uh, just to their virtual flight simulator
0: yeah.
1: uh, for their house. So that's kind of that that kind of finally ended the uh, the project where we were just like, yeah, we could probably do this. But it would take us ten years of really hard work getting this into the market, and then it would still only be like kind of like a billionaire's plaything or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and we figured like ah, it's probably not going to work, right? So yeah. the chance gen- and also the VR technology, we're like yeah, people are super hip about it, but we still don't see that becoming like a mass adoption uh, right, uh, thing. Right. Wear the goggles; it doesn't doesn't really work. People are just gonna keep playstationing on a screen. Maybe a 3D screen, but not with the damn goggles on, right? Sure. And so, finally, that uh, <laughs> I had to scrap that product. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that, 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 that I had to, had to say goodbye to uh, yeah. that after like three, four months of like working on it super hard. I even built like a wood scale model of it wow. in my house to show people what it would more or less look like and the scale and show investors and all this type of stuff.
0: But lots of fun, you know? Is it easy for you to just, you know throw in the towel and say, okay, this is not for me? Yeah. Or yes. Do, 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 do you think that this is crucial also for entrepreneurs? To have yeah, a yeah,
1: mindset? yeah. I, one of the things that I kind of sort of uh, famous for in business school, is like w- when you go into entrepreneuring, uh, you have to count on the fact that 90% of all your ideas and all the things that you do will not right. work. It just will not work either because you were too early or too late or it's just out of your league expenses wise or there you know there are many reasons why that have nothing to do necessarily with the power of your idea uh right. maybe somebody else was just ahead of you whatever uh but for whatever reason 90 percent of everything you do will fail right yeah. and so that's just the fact of life, and so I really operate based on that, like, hey man, if I try 10 things, I just know nine of them are gonna fail, Yeah, and I have really learned to not get emotionally involved in any business ideas, right. you know? So if it works, I'm pleasantly surprised. If it doesn't work, I'm like, well, I kind of expected it not to work, Exactly, right? yeah, yeah. So you always kind of operate on the assumption that it's probably most likely, no matter how good you think it sounds, it's yeah. probably not going to work. And, and most of the time, the ideas where you're like, ah, oh, this kind of throwaway throw away ideas, never going to work. Those are the ones that actually work. Yeah. <laughs> you're always having new ideas. Some
0: work, some doesn't. Yeah. And so I, I imagine like every time you meet your friends, you'll be like, yeah, I'm working on this now. I'm working on that now. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that there's some kind of judgment in in, in the sense of like, yeah, Florian, is always having new ideas. You cannot commit to one. <laughs> is that a, a thing that happens that worries you or not so much?
1: Yeah, it's a hard question. I mean, yeah, I I do think that to be an entrepreneur is to be to a certain aspect alone. So so I do have some very cool entrepreneur friends around me who are yeah, you know yeah. who are entrepreneurs on my level or some of them are way beyond the, uh, you know where I am.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and there is a certain uh knowing, let's say, uh That is kind of under entrepreneurs amongst each other, where we know some things that if you're not an entrepreneur, if you haven't lived the life of an entrepreneur of, let's say, if you have an entrepreneur for like five to 10 years and survive, right? Yeah. Uh, Then you don't really know what you're talking about. And uh, and, and also, you cannot really be explained to you uh, what it is. Right. Yeah. Like my, my yeah. wife, for example, when, when we met, like she, she always wanted to entrepreneur or whatever. And I told her like, hey, you know, go ahead, you know, try try some things. So it'll take a while to find something. And I kind of told her, like, there's some psychological t- trauma that you will go through. Yeah. And the fir- one of the first things that I really had when I you know quit my job and started working, well, it, it didn't really have any work work, but started to kind of make my own way. Is I'd be at the supermarket at like two o'clock in the afternoon, just you know, buying some fruits or whatever. And mm-hmm. you'd have this distinct Guilty feeling of knowing like oh my god all my colleagues that I used to work with you know the week before, they They're all in the office right now doing their thing and I'm not yeah. there, you know, yeah, I like yeah. abandoned them uh, uh, You know you, you almost feel like is this legal to be <laughs> a 20 year old and be in the supermarket at three? I mean <laughs> people are you you feel people are staring at you a little bit like shouldn't you be in the office? Yeah, right, yeah. somewhere and it's like what are you doing here? <laughs> and and that never you get you get kind of used to it right so when you're when you're not in a job like that you start to discover other things about the world like like i like to go to a restaurant on tuesday evenings or on wednesday yeah. evenings because everybody else goes on friday saturday sunday yeah when it's super busy the prices are super high whatever vacations i don't go on vacation in school vacation right everybody else goes on vacation in the same weeks I try to avoid those times. Like plague, I try to go when not everybody else is going because it's like half the price and the the beach is, you know, filled but not like filled to the brim with everybody who has to make their vacation in the same week. And so you're a little bit, as an entrepreneur, on the outside looking into this giant system that we build where, you know, 95% of people are kind of in this. It's really, it's a system, right? And, And you can't really explain to, unless you, like I said, once you've been an entrepreneur which are essentially outside of the system you know you don't get your automatic pension you don't get automatic saving you don't get automatic health insurance you you, you forgo all those automatic things that you get when you're in the system right yeah um, so it's a bit like being an unvaccinated person now looking yeah. to everybody like that really quite how, what it feels like you're really on the outside right. looking looking in and seeing what they're doing. And the longer you're outside, the more you look at it in wonder a little bit. uh, what people are willing to kind of accept for themselves just to
0: stay within the security. Yeah. Just get the
1: well security at least a sense of of security. security, A feeling of I'm doing what everybody else is doing. And it's hard. It's it's I understand why most entrepreneurs after a few years they kind of return to the corporate thing or whatever. Yeah. Because the longer you're out, the more it becomes, I think, harder and harder to ever get back in there, right? Yeah, I feel that. And, uh, and
0: I only started now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're you're just new, so you're just going through like the initial shock, let's say, of like you know. Uh, but that is a that is a major thing, and you do you do feel that whenever you I'm hanging out with you know friends or old friends that are that are really in the corporate uh, area, it's just a very very different world right and I, I don't pretend to understand what they're going through because I'm sure that they look at you know us entrepreneurs and doing like what are you doing man uh, wh- why yeah. are you fighting so why do you choose to fight so hard you can just you know get my cushy job and make you know 150k a year as a exactly. lawyer or whatever and uh, you know and, and, and do, do this and this and, this. and yeah, it's like two worlds that really don't understand each other or where exactly they meet and how they kind of... Because they also really yeah. need each other, right? These two uh, universes. But that's... Definitely, uh, definitely. Yeah, there that, that are very interesting philosophical topics around that, yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, I guess every entrepreneur goes through that, and I'm also feeling that. And uh, I, it's hard, for instance, now I'm, I'm back home uh, in Portugal, and my is like, okay, you're on holiday. And I was like, I'm not on holiday, right? But it's so hard to explain this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just don't have a job, but I'm not unemployed. I'm not yeah. on holiday, but I I have freedom off schedule. So yeah. it's very hard to to explain this and to, to get that sense. So I understand it's a little bit, can be a little bit lonely for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, know, I, I, know, know. I know, I know. I, I would say that uh, especially uh, making your mom feel all right, you know, or your father, you know, yeah. like making making your family feel like, oh yeah, you're doing all right, right? Yeah. That's one of the that's really one of the hardest things, and and it is kind of sad in a way that that only really comes when, like you said, like when you just have a job, you very quickly get all the outward things of success, right? I think yeah. that that's really one of the things. Like the system is very good at instantly providing people with a few of the trappings, like you get a car, uh, get you know, there, you can right. buy a nice suit, whatever you a know, vacation. Uh, yeah. And so you you very quickly get the trappings of like, so you can like sit down and be like, Ooh, I feel like success and I can show yeah, success. Yeah. Where if you go to entrepreneurhood, it takes, you know, some years to, yeah. to get to the same yeah. outward stuff, let's say. Um, but because also uh, people yeah.
0: think that, yeah, if you're an entrepreneur, it's for the money. So you'll make tons of money. Otherwise, you're not successful. That's what I feel. And yeah. this idea of yeah. the entrepreneur lifestyle, and some of the people I spoke here in, in this podcast, they are doing this right. They basically align their passion with their source of income, and it doesn't mean that they are rich. It just means that they can do their passion and and be paid for it. And uh, explaining this to people, and the fact that you are not rich and you're living entrepreneur, they always say, "Okay, if you are not rich, then it means that you are you didn't made it, right?" Whereas yeah. if you are in the job and if you got the car and you got some nice, whatever, managing position, even if it's not very high, uh, they say, OK, he's the manager of whatever department. So he made it. And um, yeah. even though it might be miserable or, or yeah.
1: you know. Yeah, but that um, is mostly that's mostly what I think of as the system. You know, there, there there's very good reinforcement uh, systems in place like that. And it's very much an, uh, an us thing, right? Yeah. Uh, where there's a lot of self-congratulation and all that stuff going on. Uh, yeah. but, but, the, but there's a similar thing, I think, in the entrepreneurial world, right? Like, once you're among entrepreneurs, then amongst the entrepreneurs it's very much like, hey, I'm a small entrepreneur, I'm doing you know 2,000 a month or whatever. Hey, great man! You're making like your own two thousand a month. Yeah. But you know th- that's great, and and even if you like do do that your whole life, and you're doing what you like to do, and you're just on two thousand, i am like like for me, that's like hey man, you do you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Like you're you you cut out your own uh, thing. As sure. entrepreneurs, it really doesn't matter if you make hundred million or or two thousand a month. Like it's fine, man. That that's yeah. cool. But like entrepreneurs kind of support each other mainly because we have the similar lifestyle. And I think that people who have a job support each other because they have the similar and it doesn't matter if yeah, your manager or they'll get up at the same time in the morning and they'll have to yeah. report it and you also at the same time.
0: and i feel that you also so as as a, like a normal job you also envy people that are are in better positions sometimes i also envy other entrepreneurs I, I know i have a couple of friends yeah and i see them like doing things and being so successful right off the bat and i was like how come are they doing it and i cannot does yeah, it yeah, feel yeah. the same for
1: you? Do you also feel sometimes jealous yeah, of other Yeah, I, I have to say that actually the biggest nostalgia that I feel, uh, you know, like let, let, me, let me put it this way: the thing that I'm most curious about, because there's no way to know, right, uh, is how I would have done had I gone the corporate way, you know. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I think that every entrepreneur, so, because it's a, it's tough, right? You have to year in year out. You know, I just came with all my businesses through the Corona crisis, right? Uh, which wasn't exactly fun, you know, like so I had some things that worked a little bit better, but also plenty of things that worked worse. I have a, uh, my wife is in the event business, so she mm-hmm. got completely destroyed by the Corona crisis for right. yeah, many months, yeah. had no income, you know, and, and it's very hard when you, when she just spent like two years really building up her business, getting her clientele, doing exactly what she wanted to do, and, you know, just making enough money to really, you know, sort of be where she wanted to be, mm-hmm. and then see that being destroyed by government degree basically you know decree because of the whole yeah. corona uh, uh, and she wasn't making like massive ten thousand, but like you know 10 20 people together but that was even uh, you know made illegal in holland yeah. and it's like th- that is very tough right and so each year like i've been entrepreneur now for almost 20 years so i went through the 2008 financial crisis, uh, yeah. crisis survived that now my business has survived the corona crisis Uh, There's most likely like the inflation crisis is around the corner, right? We're seeing the first things come from there. So, you know, and and there's nobody that I can go to and be like, hey, man, you deal with it. It all comes down to me in the end, right? Yeah, I
0: quite often draw a parallel of being the skipper of your boat. I find it very, you know, when you're skippering and like everyone looks at you and sometimes you don't know what to do and there's a storm coming and you have to figure it out. I don't know, I, I see a lot of connections that with the entrepreneur yeah. world. Yeah, And true. I like it, yeah. I, I like being a skipper, so I guess, and I also like, and I have to say that I've never been felt so fulfilled, because in the end of the day, every new user I got, for instance, in, in my climate change app, I don't know, I feel that I'm, you know, making a mark, you know, every new uh-huh. love message that I get... It, it, from like feedback and so on i I feel so fulfilled that yeah. when I was previously working in, on a company yeah. I also felt good but it wasn't my dream right someone else's dream and mm-hmm, the fact mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm. can impact the world yourself uh, just by just trying and just getting out there it's it's definitely inspiring and uh, I love it that, that's that's for sure what what would you what would you do differently if you were starting your entrepreneur career right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm so proud of my choices that it feels, you know, instinctively like, no, I'm really proud of every choice yeah, that I yeah, made, yeah. right? I really did my best with the situation. Uh, I, I think uh, be, or maybe, be be more disciplined. I, I think that yeah. I, in essence, you know, the one thing that every entrepreneur can have more of is is discipline, right? You know, mm-hmm. party party a little bit less, whatever. But that's you know, that's hindsight, you know, like in, in the moment when you like have to make the choice, like, oh, I already worked really hard this week. This Saturday, there's a nice party of a friend. I'm going to go there. And then, of course, it ends in like, you know, Sunday morning, uh, three o'clock, you you wake up somewhere and you're like, OK, this is probably not going to help me do my work really well, yeah. you know, Monday next morning. But you also kind of need that, to, you know, relax. You need to kind of balance, yeah. you know, having fun with uh, So yeah. I would say have maybe a little less fun here and there and work a little bit harder here and there. But, you know, I I don't really think that I, uh, I I think that I made the choices that I needed to make and wanted to make, and both the good ones and the bad ones, I'm pretty proud of the choices that I made uh, so far.
0: Yeah, Florian, it was a pleasure, and I think we could talk for hours. Sure. But, sure. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe we can even uh, talk again in the in the future for, for the podcast. It of was course to... if you
1: if you get a lot of fans who say invite this guy back on, then yeah. I'll have to come back <laughs> on some other time. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, I mean you're gonna be the next Joe Rogan, right? So I need to secure my spot every once in a while. <laughs> yes, so I can plug yes. something when I have a new when I have a new product, I can plug it here on the on the Tiago show, right?
0: Exactly. Uh, <laughs> for sure, right. for sure. Cool. And um yeah it was definitely a pleasure I will uh, link your projects in and even the, the project that didn't work out the virtual yeah, reality the, one the people in should the definitely check that
1: uh, check that video out space pilot like I'm so proud of this video so sad that it didn't work out yeah, <laughs> yeah you also uh,
0: have a, a very interesting book right uh, uh, learn things three things Fe- three times faster
1: how to learn uh, how, to- how to learn anything three times faster. yes
0: right and and uh, Quickly, what
1: is the book about? Well, the uh, well, title the, the, says it. Yeah, the, the title kind of says it all. So uh, I uh, really dove into the process of learning because I think mm-hmm. that the one thing that really distinguishes us as human beings from all the animals, uh, you know, you can say, oh, we have a soul and all the stuff. Well, that's rather untangible, right? But there is one really very tangible difference, and that is the human capacity to learn, right? So that right. is to say, you cannot do something right now, then we go into like a process, we call it the learning process, and then suddenly, you can do something, right? So your, your hardware and software have been updated, To get well, your software has been updated, let's say, so that your hardware can now do something it couldn't do before, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a very interesting and actually very poorly understood process, I found. So, yeah. so really, if you ask people like, how do people learn, they don't know. Yeah, you practice a little bit, whatever. But if you just be specific, like how does this process actually work so that you can sort of, when you're in the learning process, you can say about yourself, like, well, I'm at this point in the learning process and I still need to do this and this. And then I'm there and then I'm upgraded. Then I've completed like my upgrade to version 2.1 that can now do X, Y, Z, whatever it is that you're aiming for. And I found that it just doesn't exist. So... Uh, that's a problem that I kind of uh, scientifically uh, attacked yeah. and uh, and wrote uh, a solution for, and uh, and been oh, actually before before the crisis, I was uh, you know giving talks at you know Tesla and SpaceX and IBM and all this type of companies Whoa. about it. So they're actually use many of them are actually using this methodology also in their development uh, uh, you know teams. So uh, it's quite a serious piece of mental technology, let's say, mm-hmm. and this book uh, yeah, basically explains the whole methodology of how to learn anything three times faster, like understanding wow. how you learn and how you can use that to give yourself pretty much any skill you want as long as your hardware, you know, as long as you have the, the hardware talent, let's say, uh, for it. something, how yeah. to develop it. Yeah. Oh, it
0: looks super interesting. I will also link it in the description of this episode. Yes. Thank cool. you very much. Hopefully, we'll be sailing today. Uh, not today, so hopefully, we'll be sailing soon together yes. again. Well, actually, uh-huh. in, in August, we'll probably do this. Hopefully, yeah. And yes. um, yeah, thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Tiago, for uh, a yeah. great, uh, great, nice talk.
0: So, yeah. thank you very much.
1: And for you, the listener, there's a new interview every week. So, next
0: week, there'll be another one. And the rest of the days, it's me speaking about my entrepreneurial journey. If you like this interview, I can recommend you the interview I did with the Hugo, aka the sailing Frenchman. He's also a sailor, he also has a YouTube channel, and uh, you can check it out in episode 46. The link will also be in the description of this episode. And if you like it, share this episode with your friends, with your entrepreneur friends. And if you want to support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee. The link will be in the description of this episode. And this was another Wannabe Entrepreneur. See you tomorrow.